and his heart beats for the church and beats for the world and beats for the church and beats for the world. And so the spiritual gifts as they come to us and through us are meant to be expressed to the church and to the world. And next week, Sudge gets to do the second half of this, which is preaching on spiritual gifts and how we use them to serve the world. And I want to speak a little bit about how we use our spiritual gifts to serve the body. It's amazing. In, in Acts chapter 1 and uh, verse uh, 1 and 2, um, Luke writing the book, and he's writing to Theophilus. And some people have suggested that maybe Theophilus was Paul's lawyer, and he was making a case as Paul was on trial before the authorities in Rome for actually there's a legitimate reason why Paul was behaving the way that he was behaving. And here's the kind of story, the backstory to all the accusations that are coming. And he says this in the first two verses. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. All he began to do and teach. It's almost an insulting thing to say. I mean, surely he's done it. It's finished. It's, you know what I mean? His salvation work is finished, but not the work of saving Everyone is finished. And that work continues today. Jesus continues to build his church even today. The remarkable thing, though, is that he does it, um, he does it through us. And so that continuing work of Christ is being expressed through the body today. And if you think about it, how the church, as, as, as Luke crafts this beautiful book, the book of Acts, and um, I, I encourage you to go and read it again because it's such a beautiful picture of the church being a church. But it starts off with this 120 and then in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and preaches, and 3,000 are added to them. And then the church grows to 5,000. And then in Acts chapter 8, persecution comes, and the church is scattered. And uh, that seems like a bad thing. It turns out to be an extraordinary thing, because now this gospel, this, this, these, these embers have been spread out like this, as Warren and Michelle are dumped somewhere in that um, godless United Kingdom <laughs> And they carry this flame with them there to preach the gospel. You know that Europe is the most unchurched uh, population group in the world. So they need the gospel as much as anywhere else. And I know that the UK is no longer a part of Europe, but you know what I mean. And, um, and as Ethan goes to South Africa, this ember that's planted out there, the church is scattered. And then in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas are sent so that it builds to this point in Acts chapter 17. Um, which is about A.D. 49, less than 20 years after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit is poured out, where they would say about Paul and his companions in verse 6 of chapter 17, these men have turned the world upside down. Is that amazing? Turned the world upside down. <coughs> you know, you, I don't know if you've been praying a little bit about God, what is going on in the world that we're living in today? It's just, it seems like there's I mean, there's billions of conspiracy theories. It seems like this has been good fodder for conspiracy theories. But at the same time, there's clearly stuff going on in the world at a level like we've not seen it before. And, and it can bring the sense of which way is the tide going? It doesn't matter, friends, because we have been sent to turn the world upside down. In other words, right side up again where they can see God. And think about what Paul writes in some of his letters. 1 Thessalonians, we went through a little while back in our series. And Paul writes us about a group of people that were idol worshippers and pagans, not interested in the things of God. Maybe they were running after their reputations or their careers or accumulating things or, you know, hedonistic fulfillment. And then Paul can write to them and say, we always thank God for you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father the work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope 
in our Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians, another church, Paul writes to him and says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That's radical, friends. We, we, we've got to remember what's happening. You've got these, these communities of fallen people like we all were that have been so infused because of the gospel with the spirit life of God that it utterly changes their story. And God is the one that's at work doing this. And specifically, the Holy Spirit is at work all over the face of the earth today doing this, but He does it through us. And hence, the spiritual gifts. The, the manifestation of the spiritual gifts is how God works through us to do this transforming work in our, within our communities and from our communities into the world. The three lists of spiritual gifts that we looked at over this um, eight weeks in Connect Group have come from Ephesians and 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, and Romans chapter 12 as well. And uh, these lists are not exhaustive, they're not mutually exclusive, they're not even, they don't even align all of them, they're not the same kind of gifts altogether, but they are all spiritual gifts. But in every single case, it's God who gives the gifts to us so that they can come through us. In Ephesians 4 verse 8, speaking of Jesus, it says, When He ascended on high, He led captives in His train and gave gifts to men. Romans 12 verse 3 speaks about the grace given to us, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 6 says that there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And so God is at work in us. And the church is advancing most powerfully and having the most impact when we are all playing our part. Can you imagine today, I don't know if you could hear AJ as he stood here doing some of his weird stuff with his electric guitar. I don't even know what you call it, but that kind of stuff going on like this. And you could hear it. The whole thing would change if he didn't play his part. The whole thing would change. The whole sound changes when everyone is not playing their part. And the whole sound of what it means to be a community of faith changes when you don't play your part. And you might say, well, Rob, you don't really need me. You've been carrying on fine without me. How do you know? How do you know what it's supposed to sound like if you're not playing the part that God has given you? And there's, it's, it's tragic when there's passivity in the church of Jesus Christ. And I think most negativity and offense and divisions and things like that emerge when the believers become passive, when they just sit there, we, we get into consumer mode, we get into, look, am I being fed? The question is, are you feeding? And um, as we as leaders, we don't want you to be pew warmers. I mean, um, not that we're pews anymore, but you know what I mean. We don't want you just to come and put your blessed assurance into the chair and just spend the whole sermon sitting there, docile while we preach to you, you know, like little robots coming, putting your tithes in and then leaving again and living these. That's not what we want. In fact, we want the opposite of that thing. In Hebrews chapter 13 and 17, uh, the writer speaks, about, um, speaks to you as a congregation and how you ought to treat us as leaders. But in that exhortation, there's actually uh, an instruction in the reverse as well. So the writer says, obey your leaders and submit to them, um, for they are men who must give an account for you, make their work a jo joy and not a burden, for what advantage would that be for you? If I rewrote it, to turn around and speak to us as leaders, it would say something like this. Lead my people into freedom and into full participation. Remember, you will give an account for them. So let them serve the body using their gifts in joy and not begrudgingly, for that would be of no advantage to you. Well, duh. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, like we want you to operate in the gifting, the spiritual gifting God has put in your life. Like, we will be the best church ever. Whatever we think we might be protecting or covering by, by keeping people from going through gifts, and, and we don't think that, that is only a picture of small-mindedness and even smaller-heartedness to try and restrict people. Actually, we want you to serve in the fullness of what God has for you. People will come and they'll write books about us as a leadership. It's like, like you guys are amazing. We say, actually, genuinely, we're not. This is just a church where people walk in their gifting and what God has called them to. So how do we hinder the expression of these gifts? I've got four quick points. Number one, we look in the wrong place. Um, see, we look here. We look at what's going on on the stage here. We think that's where the gifts going to be expressed. That guy preaching, that's an expression of the gift. Or, or Johnny singing and, and doing his thing up here. Like, that's an expression of the gifts. But actually, that's not true. It's so important that in, in 1 Corinthians 12, the first part is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul goes straight into talking about the body. He speaks about how every part of the body must play its part. It must do its part. Then the body is expressing itself. And Paul's so explicit. He, he talks about the fact that there are some that get more profile than others. The, the preaching gift is a more profile gift. You, you, you watch those who stand up here and preach, and, and that is an expression of the gift. But there's other gifts that are going on all the time, all around us, some that are not even seen but their function is so profoundly important. And that's why Paul speaks about their, their parts of the body that are hidden away. They, we treat them with modesty, but actually, in a, in a way, they're more precious. And so sometimes your gift, not seen, but exercised, may be even more important than the gifts that are seen as they exercise. And so don't let that be a, um, an hindrance for us in fulfilling what God has called us into. And it's so beautiful because all of the gifts come together. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6, as he uses prophecy as, a, as a, I think, an illustration of one of them, for the upbuilding and for the strengthening of the body. And so for us to be a healthy body, to be a healthy prototype, heavenly community that the world can look into and go, wow, look at the love, look at the care for each other, look at the boldness, look at the confidence, look at the wholeness of this community of people. I want a bit of that. That's so much better than the world looking in and going, Man, this is a mess. Why would I ever want to be a part of something like that? And so we want to be this, this advertisement, this city on a hill that um, people are drawn to. And it, again, it comes as we all play our part. The second thing, uh, way that we hinder the expression of the gifts is that we think um, they must be expressed in a way that is wild and weird. Now, you might like that. You might think weird is good, like that interpretive dance in full lycra. You might think, man, I just, that would be my dream. And I'm not mocking you if it, no, I am mocking you if it is your dream. Surely that cannot be your dream. But some people are terrified by the idea that if I'm going to walk in my spiritual gifting, it means I've got to be somebody other than who I am. You know, I've got to be like, hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, oh, 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 like this. And so we, we start to get all freaked out, like, like that doesn't seem real. Why? Like, I don't want to do that if I've got to play act and be something that's not who I am. And maybe that is who you are, I don't know. I'm not mocking you. No, actually, I am. Um, but what I'm saying is this, is that, that the expression of our spiritual gifts are often in the most natural way, in the most normal of circumstances, that they come out the best. Um, if, you're, if one of your spiritual gifts is around hospitality, it, it's like when people walk into your home, they feel loved. They actually feel the presence of God and the ministry of His Holy Spirit. And what are you doing? You, 
I don't know, you know, maybe it's you've made muffins for them or you've, you've prepared your home specifics for them to come in or they get your undivided attention while they're in your home or they feel safe in your home. It's just normal, beautiful things. And even the, the supernatural gifts of 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, again, it's like when we pray for people to be healed, it shouldn't be some, you know, your, 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 the tone of your voice shouldn't change. You know, you shouldn't suddenly become high-pitched or deep or whatever it is. And, you know, like, like suddenly King James um, endureth and protesteth and come outeth and things like that. We just, it's, it's you, but it's you being used by the Holy Spirit so that he can come. Father, won't you just heal this person, please? I thank you that you've promised us um, wholeness through the, the, the stripes of Jesus. Thank you that we have healing. And so we're going to trust you today for healing in this person's life. And we just command the sickness to come out in the name of Jesus. It's, it's, it's like you would talk to somebody. And maybe, maybe sometimes you've got to, you've got to like, like when you, you've got to get angry. There's some righteous anger that's got to come in and your, your voice will rise up. But because it's, it's the same way you would be if you were angry in any other situation righteously. Um, and so it's uh, one of our values is to be, as the movement we are part of, naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural. Thirdly, is uh, the reason why we hinder the expression of the gifts is we won't get out the boat. Um, there's this beautiful story in um, Matthew chapter 14 of Peter in the boat and, um, and with all the other disciples and They've been sent ahead of Jesus, and there's, I, I can't remember if it was stormy. I know there were big waves because Peter would eventually sink under as he saw those waves. So it was pretty stormy, and Jesus just comes walking across the water, and they're like, like what's going on? Is that a ghost? Are we, did you, can you see that? I can see that as well. What, is that Jesus? And so Peter cries, and he says, Lord, is that you? And he says, yeah, it's me. He says, Lord, don't you love Peter? This completely flaw, flawed man, full of mistakes, and but full of passion and, and willingness to just be where Jesus is at. He says, Lord, if it's you, call me out. If it's you, call me out the boat. And Jesus does, and he steps out. And the expression of our spiritual gifts requires us to take some risks. It requires us to step out from the place of safety. Um, uh, Andy and Ellie, won't you guys come up here for a moment? When, when did we have the conference? Was it 2018, eh? November 2018? Was it last year? 19, yes, feels like, why don't you guys come up? Oh, I'm, old. I'm old, I can't get up. <laughs> there, you go, there we go. It would be funny if you pulled me down, hey? <laughs> um, so when we had this conference, I can't believe it was only 2019. It just feels like millions has happened since then. Um, we, had a, we had a conference here, and Chris asked a question the first day. Who of you believe that God could use you to plant a church? And um, one or two tentative hands went up. I, I guess your guys went up on that first day. Um, then we had a, a week of, of a weekend of ministry, and Chris asked the question again, and, and triple, I think, quadruple the number of hands went up as people having been stirred not, not only by the call, but also by the teaching of what is possible actually for ordinary people to do. Their hands went up as well. And we've got one couple right now in Jack and Denise in Holland trying to answer that very call. They stood up on the last day and responded to that. But uh, Andy and Ali have also. Um, uh, responded to that. They have, uh, they've done this before. This is not new to them. They've, they've kind of come into Dubai as a couple with, a, with quite a serious track record behind them, and, um, but have um, inserted themselves into this faith community that we're a part of, into this church, have, have been an, a great part um, of what we've been doing and our story, 
And, um, but they felt, they felt particularly stirred at that moment that God would call them to plant again. And, and they are. They're going to plant into Dubai. And so they've, uh, they've got a bit of a dream. I've asked, can we have the other microphone? Andy, just take a couple of minutes and just share what it is. Because this is a picture of stepping out of the boat. And there's going to come an invitation with this as well, which is if you want to join them in going to plant that church. Now, Andy and Ellie are not planting in the, in the way, and you'll describe it a little bit like, we, like the way that we run church here. So it's not like we need 20 people to go across to, um, to go and be, you know, suddenly be the church there and for it to happen. Their goal is very explicit and deliberately to reach those that have not yet been reached. And so they need one or two couples to go with them and to be a part of this. And it's a, it's a big decision. It's a big call. But what an exciting possibility it might be. And if that, as they tell the story, and we, they're also going to do a, a short video which we're going to put up and send out to you guys on YouTube so you hear the story more fully. As they share that story, if something resonates in you and, and you online as well, if something resonates, then we want you to um, um, pray about it and see whether it's just the pizza from last night or whether it actually is the Holy Spirit stirring you. And if it is, why don't you speak to Matt and Hannah who are on eldership with us. If you don't know how to get hold of them, get hold of the office and you can get hold of Matt and Hannah and, uh, and speak to them. <clears throat> and we're going to just um, have, have a conversation with those who feel like it is a good idea to go with Andy and Ellie. And as we send them in due course, as we, with great joy and, and prayer, release them into what God has called them to, we want to um, pray and release this couple or, or these couples to go with them and plant this church here in Dubai, which may multiply many times over who knows what they're going to do. So do you want to just tell us what's in your heart? Uh, so in our heart is, is really a burden for those who are perhaps hard to reach. So in our hearts, that's the Pakistani taxi drivers or the Bangladeshi gardeners or the Ugandan security guards who just need to hear the message of Jesus. So we have this burden. Uh, we, we have a gift and we feel we have some gifts around hospitality, um, around teaching and evangelism. And, and so Really, the, the dream is, well, we're partway through the dream. We've, we've moved house. We've rented a different villa, a bigger villa down in Jumeirah, really with the explicit vision, Lord, come and bring people into that yeah. villa so that they might encounter your son, Jesus. Um, and as you've already said, we're now just looking for some co-workers to come with us uh, out of the boat to help us when we feel like we're sinking, that together we might reach some of these hard-to-reach people. Amazing. Amazing. So there you go. That's the dream. Thank you. Why don't we just extend our hands towards it? Let's just pray for a moment. You can clap. Go for it. Clap. <laughs> Very spiritual congregation. When we're going to pray, we're quiet. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for Andy and Ellie, Lord God. Um, just not only for what they mean um, in World of Life, and will continue to mean going forward as we partner, Lord God, but, but also for what you've put inside of them for what's to come, Lord God. And we do pray for this dream, and we pray for the right couple or couples to go with them as you would hand-select them, Lord God. And we, and we literally open our hands, Lord God, and we say, well, Lord, would you, would you come take from this family those that you've intended for them, that we might release them. And we pray for all that you would accomplish through this, Lord, not just even in the season to come and, and actually the church itself, but the multi multiplied generations that will follow on from this. And, and even for what is open over world of life, for, few, for other church plants as well, Lord God. Um, we thank you for your incredible um, work in us and through us to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you guys. Thanks so much. Probably want to get on that side there, yeah. So step out the boat. And remember that as a church, we're called the Ecclesia, 
which literally means called out. That's where we are. We are called out. And so it's time for some of us to step out of the, the boat and into what God has for us. The last hindrance, and this is what I want to land with, and I'm going to lead us into a time of prayer in a moment around this. It's the reason why we hinder the expression of the Holy Spirit is because we haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're, sorry, the reason why we hinder the spiritual gifts, the expression of the spiritual gifts, is because we haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to chapter 1 of Acts where I started. Verse 4 and 5 says, as Luke writes, and he says, And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, Jesus continues, says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's incredible that these 100% qualified men and women, I said in our connect group the other day, I would have brought these guys into eldership in a moment. They've been with Jesus for three years. He chose them. They've been with him. He's taught them. They've had, they've had tons of time and walking and sleeping and journey. They've listened to every teaching he's done. They've watched every miracle he performed. He's even sent them out and they've seen <coughs> miracles of, of, um, by the Spirit of God being performed in their own lives. And he says, wait. Wait, don't go now. It's not the time. And you're thinking, wait for what? Wait for the Holy Spirit. Um, Smith Wigglesworth is a, and, and remember this, let me just say this first. In John 20, verse 22, uh, it says this. And when Jesus had said this, he spoke about them and they, that they belonged to him. He said he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so God's people have received, these disciples had received the Holy Spirit. But he's saying, I want you to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, there's a difference. We, we know that the Spirit of God is omnipresent. It's true. Eh? So He's everywhere at any time. And so when people say, but surely I have the Holy Spirit with me, in some ways, even the, Holy, even the unbeliever has the Holy Spirit present because He's everywhere at all times. There's nowhere that He's not present. And so we distinguish between the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit and His actual abiding presence, which is what happens when we're born again the Bible says that we are regenerated. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that causes us to be born again. And then He comes to abide in us. And so that's the seal um, of the or the deposit of what's still to come. He's in us. He brings the presence of God to us. That again is on a different level to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is this manifest um, outworking of His presence in us. And we see this in Acts chapter 8. Philip had gone up to um, Samaria, I think, and preached the gospel up there and done these incredible miracles. And um, the people had responded to his, his preaching. And in verse 12 of chapter 8, it says, And when they believed Philip as, he, Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they were water baptized. They received Christ their Lord and Savior. A few verses later, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the inner, sorry, might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them that had only been baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 8 and verse 70, the very next verse, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Since Wigglesworth says this, enter into the promises of God, this invitation, enter into the promises of God, it is your inheritance. You will do more in one year if you are really filled with the Holy Ghost than you could do in 50 years apart from Him. 
Acts chapter 4. Won't uh, somebody come up and just play some music for us, please, as we, we're going to have a ministry. I want to invite you up for two things this morning. I want to invite people up, and, and even as you're at home, we will, we're going to cut this off in a few moments, the feed. But uh, we'll leave it running for a while. And if you are wanting, um, even at home, to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you can ask God for, for Him to send His Holy Spirit and to fill you, to baptize you this morning. But that's what I want to pray about. I want to pray for those people that have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit to be baptized. The Bible uses different words, to be overcome by, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a sense to which when we come to God in this moment, we just open ourselves up and we say, Lord, I surrender everything. I open every part of my life and invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill me to overflowing. I know that you're present with me. I know that you abide with me. And I want you to fill me to overflowing. I put my dreams upon the altar, my fears upon the altar. And to say, it's all yours. I want you to have your way in my life. And the Bible speaks there about, as I read, this about the laying on of hands, not because the hands produce anything. There's nothing that I can give you um, other than cool you down a bit. My hands are quite cold now. But I can be a conduit. The other leaders that pray for you today can be a conduit the Holy Spirit to flow through, you're not receiving from us, you're receiving from God. It's so beautiful that God says, um, Jesus speaking says, um, you know, when you ask your father for a, a fish, he's not going to give you um, a snake. When you ask him for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. And then Jesus goes on to say, ask for the Holy Spirit and you will receive him. And so this morning in the safe place, God is present with us today. We are submitted to God. In this place, as we ask for God's Spirit, God will give us the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. And uh, for, for, for some of us, as you, um, as you come and have that prayer, it can, it can happen in a moment that you receive. And you know you've received. You, you, feel, you feel something. And I don't tell you what you're going to feel because we're all so different. The Holy Spirit will, will treat us each differently. But you, you kind of know that it's happened. You might... You might, as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues. You might just feel this incredible sense of God's love just weighing upon you. You might feel just a release. You might begin to weep or laugh or whatever it is. You might, nothing might physically happen to you on the outside. But you don't just for one moment say, okay, God, you know, I'm ready. Do it now. And okay, well, it didn't happen. Oh, well, it's not for me. They, they, they wait in the upper room. Jesus said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. They waited, and they waited, and they waited. And you might come up this morning and receive the Holy Spirit. You might come up next week, uh, well, not this morning, and come up next week. You might get next to your bed this week and say, God, I want the fullness of your Spirit in my life. And God, fill you in your bedroom. It might be in the, the most unexpected moments, but as we wait upon Him, He will give us what He has promised because He is faithful. I want to pray for you this morning. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, to come up this morning to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray for you this morning. If you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you have been baptized, to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, the disciples, after Peter and John had been told by the, the religious rulers not to preach, they came back and reported to the church, hey guys, this is what happened. And they, they, they got before God and they prayed and said, God, don't make us scared. Help us to continue to be bold. And, and won't you do what you did before? Won't you do it again? Won't you stretch out your hands with, with miracles and signs and wonders? 
And it says that the whole building shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Those that had been baptized before, those that had been baptized in the upper room, those that had been baptized after they had received Christ in Acts chapter 2, all of them and others that had been added besides were filled with the Holy Spirit. They'd been filled again. They'd been filled before. And so I'm asking you to be pretty brave this morning. Why don't you stand, please? And um, this, this doesn't have to be wild and weird. God can have His way. He can do whatever He wants. But it's going to be authentic. It's going to be authentic. Either God ministers or you prayed for. Just bless. What's the worst that's going to happen this morning? You're going to get blessed. If you, have, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to come up to this side, to my left over here. Come up, we want to pray for you. And if you're wanting a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit this morning, why don't you come up onto this side over here? And there's nothing embarrassing about never being baptized in the Holy Spirit. My expectation is that at least 10 or 15% of the congregation have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you would come up and let that happen. So why don't you do that now? Won't fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time on this side. Yeah, why don't you come up? I'm just a bit of an optimist here. Is that everybody wants a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so I don't know why you're still there, but maybe you should come out as well. And uh, um, if you're still journeying, I understand that. That's fine. But if you're a if you're a believer and it says morning, God, I I want you to fill me afresh. Why don't you come out? And we'll just whatever. We don't have to get neat rows. Just come out. 